This is Konzenshu, the podcast, episode 488, for the week of April 18th, 2021. Well, hello there. Welcome back to Konzenshu, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball, and, well, and, and beyond, fan site, Konzenshu. That is correct. I had to question myself there for a second. We cover anything <laughs> and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. We do a podcast around these parts. <laughs> Been a little bit. Uh, my name is Mike. You may see me around as Fujito EX. I am joined by a, <laughs> a first time podcast guest, but at this point, it feels like you're just part of the family and no one knows <laughs> at this point. <laughs> so it's like I have to introduce you. Um, but. That's strange because you've been such an ingrained part of the Kanzenju family for, for months on end at this point. Uh, Zenpai, how, how would you like to introduce yourself? So, Zenpai, uh, real name Jose. I'm like a Portuguese fan of the website for about 10 years now, and never in my wildest dreams did I imagine I would end up here in the podcast one day. Aww. That's great. So, uh, man, I wish I had the foresight to look up exactly when it was, but we were all talking one day, um, wiki editors and site admins and stuff. We're like, let's get some new people <laughs> because we're working on so much stuff. And we were kind of concentrating on Japanese things because, yeah, we got Julian, we got Stacy and Ian helps out, too. And everyone's busy. And sometimes it's like hey, I need a sentence. Can someone just do a sentence? And time zones are crazy and who knows? And maybe it's important, maybe it's not. But it's always nice to have someone just look at it and go, I'll get to that. Or yes, this is important. Let me do it right now. Uh, and your name kind of popped up there. Uh, I had been casually familiar with you for a while. You've been, a, like you mentioned, a, a fan of uh, the site and the podcast and the series for quite some time. Uh, and I threw your name out there and folks were like, yeah, so we asked you, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> and I think later that day, you're already at work on stuff. It was fantastic, man. So uh, I I got to say thank you, you know, in retrospect, but also ahead to everything we're going to work on. Um, thanks, <laughs> thanks for becoming part of the extended Consensu family. Uh, I mean, thank you for welcoming me into the family. I'm, I would consider myself maybe like... I will just say this unashamedly, maybe a fanboy of the website. So <laughs> giving me the opportunity to A, contribute to the fantastic work you've been doing, or maybe I should say we've been doing now, um, <laughs> and also practice my Japanese in the meantime. So it's yeah. been great. Well, and, and that's the thing. So we're looking for, yeah, someone who can translate things, but I'm also always looking for, I need some global perspective on things. So we're very focused on the Japanese version of the franchise, and that's never going to change. We're also looking at it from a pretty much exclusive American American viewpoint, but that's not global. That's not the goal of the website. Uh, and so you kind of checked off all these boxes for me of what I was looking for. Uh, and you ended up being a good person, which is like the first checkbox, but usually the last checkbox is like, oh God, we should make sure they're not a wacko. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I've I've just been so happy it's worked out. So why do I have you here? So here's what I want to do with you on the podcast today. One, it's kind of like a general introduction. I want to bring you in front of everyone. I'm all about elevating voices and bringing, again, the global perspective to the larger community. I think that's important. Uh, I want to talk about uh, your fandom because, again, we've 
we, we've talked with folks from abroad and we focused on Japan in addition to America, but Portugal has a very different uh, background with this series than anywhere else that we've kind of talked about so far. Um, I guess three on the checklist is, well, you're very much multilingual. Uh, so you, you, you have all you can read anything we throw at you, which I'm always very appreciative for. Uh, and then I want to talk a little bit about some of the work that you are kind of stemming off of that uh, are doing with us. Um, recently, yeah. we we put up a translation that Julian had done the the bulk of years ago. It was something I always wanted to get done, and he just didn't have the time to do kind of like the nitty gritty cleanup work that no one really wants to do. And you put your hand up. You're like, I'll do it. Um, so that recently went up. And we have a, a very, very gigantic translation that now is on um, my shoulders to wrap up and get up. So uh, I feel like talking to you on the podcast and maybe that kick in the ass to get me going and, and wrap it up. I had all the PSD files open today. I was like, oh, right. This is what I was working on. Uh, so let's kind of take it all the way back to the beginning for you. Hanging out, living, Portugal. Good times. How's Dragon, yeah. how's Dragon Ball into your life? Okay, so Dragon Ball into my life. I still remember the very first episode that I watched because just in preparation for the podcast, I've been digging a little bit into the actual dates and I found out that it's very difficult to find actual dates for uh, Dragon Ball's pod- broadcast yeah. in Portugal. But uh, it started around either November or December 1995. Okay, so you're you're actually kind of like right there with the American beginnings of the show. So we had Funimation start the American broadcast in '95. So where was Portugal at that point in their broadcast? We started with Dragon Ball episode one mm-hmm. uh, in the, at the end of 1995. Okay, and then we finished somewhere in mid 1997. All of Dragon Ball and all of Dragon Ball Z and all of Dragon Ball GT as well. We we aired the whole oh, wow. thing through, no skips, no nothing, just mm-hmm. pure Dragon Ball. So that that's really interesting. So not only did you start at the actual beginning, but it still would have been somewhat contemporary with Japan because GT was ninety six, ninety seven, and so you just started, just head down, go, <laughs> just run through the whole thing. I mean, Dragon Ball has quite a history in Portugal. It was like crazy. And also, let me just correct myself because I mentioned that we ended in mid-1997. That's actually not true because GT ended somewhere in 1998. Yeah, it would have had to because it was still going. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z finished in 1997. Got it, got it. I guess I kind of want to address this now. The the Portuguese dub is the, the subject of... <laughs> what's the tactful way to put it? Um <laughs> Uh, a lot of discussion. A, a, engaged criticism online, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> Give us a little background of the Portuguese dub. Okay, so the Portuguese dub, let's say, first of all, it only had seven actors for the whole thing. So Funimation in 1999, got it. Perfect. Yep. <laughs> so you can imagine the kind of product, especially since you just compared it to your own dub. <laughs> yeah. And um, I mean, it was, first of all, we didn't even have our own scripts. Mm-hmm. It, we we basically inherited the French scripts. Well, that happened a lot over there, right? Basically, I think it had something to do with AB Group actually having the rights yeah, yeah. for the entirety of Europe or most of Europe. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. So we also inherited we inherited their scripts and we inherited their video masters censorship and all. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of we never actually had some of the um, original terms. Like for example, we don't have the, the Portuguese fandom. 
that just watched the Portuguese dub doesn't have the word cyan. Mm. It just has Grege du Spas, which means literally translated is um, space warriors. Yeah, we, we saw that a lot in um, some of the merchandise that would make its way to America uh, before Funimation had gotten to things. We would see things come from Mexico, from Europe, and we would get some of that terminology. But like, what? What are they talking about? Yeah. And also, I one one of the other weird quirks of the of having the French script is that, for example, uh, Goku's cyan name, uh, Kakarot, mm-hmm. uh, they basically decided that they didn't want to pronounce it. So they just went with Cachalo in, in Portuguese, Cachalot, mm-hmm. which means a sperm whale, because it kind of sounds similar. I guess. Okay. So we, as as I grew as a fan, I, I just looked back at all this stuff and thought, what the hell were they thinking? <laughs> but so uh, in, in many ways, that, that really doesn't sound too far off. I mean, you have this dubbing company who has a series thrust upon them or decides to pick it up and you know, they don't have the resources that some of the other larger scale outfits have. And they just run forward with it and they make up their own stuff and the people who watched it watched it and liked what they watched and decades later that's still the version they identify with oh yeah the portuguese dove definitely has a lot of fans yeah uh, because uh, i went to quite a lot of anime conventions over here and uh, um, one of anime conventions uh, over here uh, one of their favorite guests is just calling in the portuguese dub actors yeah and they're quite happy to go because well, for better or worse, they got really happy that they they are the Portuguese dub actors. Mm-hmm. So they got a li- actually a little bit of a diva complex, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that sounds very similar. Anyway. <clears throat> <laughs> and uh, I mean, the stories they tell us, they're just absolutely crazy. I believe it. For yeah. instance, uh, uh, there's, there's one thing here in Portugal that's very famous on uh, YouTube, which is the pearls we call them the pearls which is since dragon ball even with the, the censorship that the french made to their masters mm-hmm. that we inherited even then it was still pretty considered pretty violent so one of the ways they they went about softening it up was ad-libbing in some jokes got it and people just ate it all up yeah they loved it and they even made like a lot of compilations of those pearls on youtube and people just lap it up and actually it might have it might have been in a way a good thing just because some of people that might not not have gotten into the series actually got into the series precisely because of that you know we hear that a lot through things like a bridge as you talk about the dub and i've, I've certainly uh, watched some of it in the past and talked with people about it. it it does feel like this halfway between a real dub and a parody dub that this group of people just this company got and just it ended up on TV and pretty much you know people like what they like. I guess I mean I have memories of talking to this dude I knew that lived in my street that was a little bit older than me and even back then I was like ten or something mm-hmm. we were talking about Dragon Ball for some reason and even back then I told him I know that this is not a good dub there I I think they're just being disrespectful of the original mm-hmm. I'm just watching it because. It's the only thing I it's know. That's what there is, yeah. It's of course. The only thing we have access to. So then tell me about that. So that's what you have. It airs on TV. Did you get any kind of home release of that at all? Or was it just it aired and you recorded it? That was that. We had, uh, I don't believe so. At least the only home releases that we saw were of the movies. We had the entirety okay. of the movies. Mm-hmm. And we even had 12 and 13 
air as a double feature on movies. I sadly didn't, didn't get to go because of family reasons, so I, I was super sad that they promised me I would go, I would go, but <laughs> it was complicated, so I never actually managed to, to go. Got it. And the only time I actually saw Dragon Ball in cinemas over here was when they premiered Broly. Oh, which man. Was the first... <laughs> well, you yeah. finally got back around to it. All right, so then yeah. where I'm going with that is, so tell me about the discovery phase of fandom, because everyone who does what we do, they, they all have this phase where it's, all right, I know what I'm watching is not the show, quote unquote, the show. I need to learn more about the show. How do I learn more about the show? So bring me through that discovery phase of your fandom. Uh, well, to be honest, I mostly just watched the, the show when it aired on TV. And uh, I had... Um, actually, I just remembered that there was one one uh, one of the series actually did have a home release because I have them all, which is GT. Uh, GT actually yeah. got released in its entirety on VHS. Uh, it's still it's short enough. I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, it was just um, other, just the movies. And after a while, I remembered that I had GT, I had the memories of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, mm -hmm. and I had the manga, which they um, released here in Portugal. And it was also very shoddily translated from the Spanish version. Yeah, The Spanish version is pretty good, actually, mm -hmm. but translation, not so much. Yeah, I've seen that offered up um, for, for folks over in Europe. They're like, well, if you can get the Spanish version, like if you if you know enough, you can just go read that. Um, yeah. I, I or maybe this is Portuguese versus Spanish. Can can you get by? Like, is it doable? Perfectly. It's yeah. like it's uh, extremely similar. Yeah. Uh, I I personally, if it's like uh, I can I can read Spanish just fine. I studied it in university, mm -hmm. uh, but it's not really the the kind of language I I like to read in. So I just I I either go portuguese or english or i just go straight up to the japanese original sure now. okay yeah so you've got a little bit of a home release you've got a not so great manga uh keep going yeah and basically i whenever i was i was born and had nothing to do i read the manga a lot but uh, then my fandom started to wane down a little bit the only thing we had at least i had for uh, about from 2000 to 2010 were the video games mm -hmm. uh, like Budokai of and the, the, all of the Budokais, then Budokai Tenkaichi, the ones from PS3 and stuff like that. Yep. And uh, I just laid them all up. Mm -hmm. That's also pretty common is that that was, um, and Bandai Namco has cited Europe as a, a very big part of that era, uh, the sales. Uh, they just, they didn't, <laughs> maybe we'll talk about this some of the stuff you're translating. Like they never even considered the international market and the fact that it blew up to the degree it did was shocking to them. It's shocking to me that it was shocking to them. It just shows how in a bubble, uh, folks can be over oh, I hope we're, <laughs> all right, maybe let me scale that back a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So the games, the games really kind of like reinvigorated your fandom. Uh, we we had the games and uh, I I was playing them more as um kind of nostalgically because I really sure. I I always liked Dragon Ball but my love for the series was was dwindling dwindling a little bit. Got it. But the games kept it a little bit alive inside of me that passion. Okay. And then the one thing when I watched anime, one thing I really 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 always hated was uh, filler. And then uh, it Dragon Ball Kai got announced and I was like oh boy. Dragon Ball with no filler. Uh, and then I waited for it all to finish so I could watch it all in one go. Mm -hmm. And then it got canceled. And I was like, panic. Oh, well, my God. Well, hold on. So were you watching in Japanese at this point or was it a Portuguese dub of Kai? We never had a Portuguese dub of Kai. Got it. It aired on TV once. I don't even know if it aired in its entirety, but it was subtitled. 
And then it got canceled. Mm-hmm. And then I was like in panic mode, like just trying to search for um, for what happened. Why why did it get canceled? Mm-hmm. And I searched all over the internet, and I found this website. Hmm. Daisenshu EX, what the <laughs> hell is this? And then they had a podcast which actually talked about the end of kind. I was like, hmm, let me check these guys out. Oh, wait, these guys actually know what they're talking about. Let me check some of their other stuff. I and have now I'm here. vivid memories <laughs> of recording that episode in this very room, in this very basement of this very house. That's so fun. Yeah, we, we certainly had a an uptick of uh, global international visitors around the time of Kai. Kai was such an international product. And as Cellar came to a close and the music fiasco happened, people just wanted to know what the hell happened. I think we just had a great SEO title on that podcast episode. It was like, what the hell happened to Dragon Ball Kai? <laughs> we, we got all you folks coming in from that. Pretty much. I mean, to be honest, I think the the entire history surrounding Dragon Ball Kai is vastly more interesting than dragon ball kai itself i agreed a thousand percent yeah like i've i want to write a book about it it's so interesting (laughs) (laughs) even though we've covered it so extensively i feel like i i just want to get it all down chronologically again it's so interesting and we learn more and more about it as we again we'll we'll get to some of your translation stuff where we go one direction we we think we're going to get this and we end up hearing more about Kai that we didn't know. Uh, we always used to joke Kai is the gift that keeps on giving, the, the gifts <laughs> we don't want. But, you know, in many ways, it, it's pretty good. Right, so that brings you to um, the, the 2010s, really, uh, as Kai kind of gets going and comes to an end. Tell me more at this point in your life about not just fandom, but also language for you. So 2010s, that's... Uh... So in terms of the fandom, that was around when I discovered the website. So that was 2011. And I started listening to the podcast and I was really enjoying myself. And then I, I, I saw that you had a lot of features, a lot of translations. Uh, your database was huge. And I, 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 I thought, hmm. Then I, I started watching the, the series for the first time in Japanese. I think I saw Dragon Ball a little bit before that. And then I was, I was like, okay, Dragon Ball is watched in Japanese for the first time. Mm-hmm. Now let's, it's time for Kai. And then Kai got canceled. So you know the, the rest of the story. So then I watched, uh, Boo, uh, in through Z and then GT. And, uh, uh, as that, as that was happening, I was just, um, keeping up with the website, listening to your podcast when I was going to college and stuff like that. And uh, this was around the time when I finished, uh, my master's. And uh, it was 2011, so we were smack dab in the middle of the crisis here in Portugal. Mm-hmm. And uh, getting a job was kind of hard. And uh, then I, I talked to my mother at the time, and I kept I kept saying, because I was uh, I had just gotten into anime at the time, uh, and I kept saying, because I come from translation background, so I already knew English and French and Spanish, and also studied German. Uh, and I kept telling, you know what? I'm going to study Japanese someday. And I just kept it at someday I will study Japanese. Someday. <laughs> sure. And then she, I finished the master's degree and she told me, why don't you actually go learn Japanese? And I was like, you know what? I will. That's a good and, idea. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. And turns out I went to classes. I got along just fine. And um, sadly, the more, the more the, the lessons progressed, the less people wanted to keep up. And mm-hmm. there was a time when I could no longer have lessons, so I just call up my teacher and said, you know what, I want to keep moving forward, but there's not enough people. Will you tutor me? Mm-hmm. And basically she said, sure, I will tutor you. And according nice. to her own words, she didn't even uh, expect me to carry on beyond like one or two months 
and I kept on going until I until I finished my N2 for five years. So, <laughs> How does yeah. that make you feel like she didn't have enough faith in you to keep going initially? I think she didn't have enough faith in the Portuguese students yeah. because she kept seeing people uh, drop out because I mean, they were kind of tired. It's pretty common. I mean, that was me in college. <laughs> I fell off. I, it's one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't do it all throughout college. So yeah, that's that stuff happens. And uh, I think that she was just a little bit um, jaded. She didn't really believe that people would have enough motivation to go on until the end. And I yeah. I went at least until N2 because I believed it, would, it was a good level. Yeah. And I'm still considering maybe taking N1 one day. Uh, right now, I'm just uh, doing a little bit of more practical uh, studying, like uh, translating stuff and yeah. reading a lot more stuff and stuff like that. I don't, I don't exactly say I will never do it. Got Maybe it. one day. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about that. It's something I've talked with Julian about pretty extensively here on the show before. Um, people may hear these this N one and two and three and four and five. Uh, they might not know what it is. It's it's a standardized test, basically. Like you either hit it or you don't, and you get you're granted this title, right? Pretty much. So the Japanese language proficiency test is the the most famous standardized test for Japan for foreign Japanese learners. Mm-hmm. So you have N five, which is the lowest level, which you only need one hundred kanji. Then N four, you need three hundred. N three, you need six hundred, and N two, you need one thousand. Then uh, for N one, you need all. 2,126, I believe that's the number, of the Joyo kanji, which means mm-hmm. the common use kanji, right? which is insanely high. Right. But that's like, all right, you're going to read a newspaper, you're going to watch TV, you're going to live your life. That's like you are getting by, you are, for all intents and purposes, fluent in whatever's likely going to come your way in written form at that point. Oh, yeah. B- uh, basically... It- N2 is already considered professional level. Mm-hmm. N1 is, is mastery. Yeah. It's like pretty much there's, there isn't much that can make you trip up in Japanese. Right. Well, here's the key thing is that I, I think I, I say this all as a non-translator. I, I am the, the overlord, the project manager, the I, I don't know. I don't know shit. And that, that puts you in a very dangerous place sometimes. There's a lot of people come in at some of those lower levels even, or even some entry-level college classes. And what's dangerous is they don't know what they don't know, and they, they think they know more than they really do. Uh, and a lot of people I've seen, uh, not necessarily within our own community, but, but abroad, hit something like an N2 and then think, I've got it. Like, I'm a translator at that point. You're shaking your head. <laughs> like I know that's not true. So let's let's talk a little bit about that that difference between kind of like the book smarts versus the more colloquial kind of actually getting the meaning of something. Um, again, I've talked with Julian and Jake quite a bit about this. Uh, the art of translation. There's always a thread of the day on Twitter. There was something just today going back and forth over um, the use of, I think, sus and a translation. And again, the people who don't know what they don't know have a problem with that. And then you get the people who have been around the block for a little bit. Like that's a totally accurate take on, on what's being said there. Um, so tell me from your perspective a little bit, especially as you have really um, gone knee deep here, translating stuff for Consentu, what's the difference between watching the show and then 
taking something, whether it's an, I guess specifically more an interview, because you get someone like Tori Shima um, that you, you've translated the words of. What's the difference there? Well, it's Japanese. It's it's extremely is a, a language that's extremely context based. So you need to know to look at the text very carefully to see what they're talking about. Yeah. And even at my level, it's it's uh, it's very hard sometimes to figure out what what uh, what's going on. Sometimes I'm I'm looking at this text and I have to do like a double take or actually um, ask one of my colleagues. It's like, what do you think this this means or or sometimes I ask some of the other um, the other Japanese speakers on the on the websites, like, what do you think they're 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 meaning here? And uh, it's it's it can be rough. It, I mean, obviously, the more you do it, the the better you get at kind of understanding what you're trying to get. Of at. course, yeah. But uh, book smarts will only take you so far. That's I think one of the the things I'm really grateful to my tutor is that uh, we I, I spent like sometimes one month just dissecting one newspaper article for lessons yeah. but even then even we wanted even though we wanted to get further and further she always uh, spent half of our lessons just talking to me and that's the thing that made me get really comfortable in actually talking to people because when I went to Japan, she actually gave me an order, not a request, an order. If you go to Japan, you will not, I repeat, you will not speak in English to any single person you find. And I was like, sure. <laughs> and then I had uh, 18 hours of no sleep because of the plane, because the, the trip is like super huge. Mm -hmm. And it was raining. I was tired. I was sleepy. And I had to, to show this person my passport. And I was like... I really don't want to think in Japanese right now. It was like, this was like four years ago, mm -hmm. but I will try my best. And then I just spoke in Japanese the entire time with everybody. And I was like, I came back and I was like, yeah, teacher, I'm super <laughs> proud of myself. Please, please compliment me. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So tell me more about the the difference between watching a show and, and the words from, from someone on the page. You already mentioned things like very context dependent um you're not necessarily even going to get the subject of what they're talking about sometimes uh i mean when you're watching a show uh with with subtitles it feels like you have it all done for you mm -hmm. like the there's no real ambiguity uh and e the subject is there the everything is laid out super clearly but when you're actually looking at it uh from with with no subtitles or you're just looking at the raw text you need to be able to understand what the people are talking about. And sometimes it can be super obvious what you're talking about, but sometimes like, what the hell are they getting at here? Because some words that can be really ambiguous and the context is also not super clear. And you kind of realize that most translations are in interpretations as well, mm -hmm. because it's kind of impossible in, in some cases. In, there are some other cases where the context is pretty obvious. So if you get it wrong, it's actually in error. But there are some other cases where it's like, okay, I have quite a few options. Let's just pick the one that's the most plausible. Mm -hmm. And you go with that. Yeah. And I don't think you, you really notice that until you actually learn Japanese and you try to interpret it by yourself, how much it depends on insider and on a little bit of insider knowledge, at least to a, to a point sure. of what the person is talking about. Yeah. And you probably get later in the same, if it's an interview, for example, you get later in the interview, you're like, oh. That's what they were talking about earlier. I got to go back and change what they were talking about because I totally misread that. Exactly. You you need you essentially need to go back. Um, there was there was one time during the um, 
the Torishima translation where I was like, okay, they're talking about the new series here. Are, because, this was 2019. Are they talking about Kai or are they talking about Super? Because right. Kai can hardly be called a new series, but the more I read, it's like, no, this is absolutely unambiguous. It, it's Kai. I want to talk about that right now. That, this is a translation that is not up on the site yet. Um, you have it totally done. Uh, and I'm at the point where I had it totally pasted and ready to post. I'm like, I want to do translations of all the slides too. And not just your text translations. I'm going to actually go in there and do the images themselves. And so I hold everyone up as I'm working on this. Uh, but I think it's important because I feel like that's also the kind of thing when we do our translations on the site, I really like how our translations are presented, but I also think it's important when it's something like that. We don't typically do scanlations of things, you know, we're text only, but I think the formatting and the flow of something is important to also replicate. And so when there our slides are are a part of the actual interview that was posted i feel like it's important to include those and also kind of like as is like i still want the same little clip art that they had there like i feel like that kind of brings out the the atmosphere of how it was originally presented but and that's kind of like a tangent i want to talk about something very concrete from it because i don't want to say we had arguments about it but we certainly had some conversations about it and it's a very particular phrase uh, from from something that's being discussed here. And and so this this interview translation, the reason I had thrown it out there is because I saw it referenced on the uh, Japanese Wikipedia page for the first Budokai. Uh, I was like, oh, so clearly there's some cool like development tidbits, you know, how it came to be. And I saw Torishima was in there like, well, he knows what he's talking about. Like, there's clearly something good in here. Uh, let's go check it out. And so I threw it out there. I'm like, hey, can anyone just like scan this and, and pick out what the cool tidbits are so we can put them on our own page um, because that's important to include and you get going you're like i'm going to translate the whole thing (laughs) like all right that sounds great i would love for you to do that um the 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 key part of the story and and i love this and you'll be able to eventually read this whole thing and again by recording this podcast hopefully i get my ass in gear here bondi was working on the game and they were talking with toei but they weren't talking with shueisha dragon ball is ultimately owned by shueisha Shueisha needs to approve things. Shueisha didn't see what they were working on. So in comes Torishima after they've been working on the game for what, like a year at this point? I forget. I think it was like around a year or something. Okay. Yeah. Um, all of that conversation happened quite late in the in the game's development. I believe they even... I haven't looked at the translation in a while. Yeah. But uh, I think they even delayed the release and then it turns out that it was going to be released alongside the Kanzenban. Yeah. And... Um, the dragon boxes were also coming, so they thought, "Hey, perfect! This is perfect. This is just- serendipitous." But the 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 problem <laughs> for development was a year in. Torishima came in, said, "Hmm, hmm, yeah, throw it all out, <laughs> everything, start over." <laughs> so Panda's like, "What are you talking about? We spent a year working on this game. What do you mean throw it out?" Uh, and it turns out that this is kind of like a regularly regularly recurring thing between Bandai and their game partners, where after a period of somewhere like five to ten years, they'll the partners will just get complacent with what they're working on and what they're developing, and the same old shit comes out year after year yep. uh we we most recently saw this probably in the ps3 era right before uh they transitioned to xenoverse uh because we got raging blast one raging blast two ultimate blast sales just you know 
plummeting. And so they reinvigorated the series, like a new direction, brought it back to Dimps, <laughs> actually, at that point. Uh, but this was back in Budokai. So Torishima says, throw it all out. And here's where I'm getting with the translation. Do you remember what the phrase was in Japanese off the top of your head? The one we were discussing? Yeah, yeah. It's the complete supervision suspension. Right. The complete supervision suspension. That doesn't make any fucking sense. (laughs) (laughs) So part of my job, which is not really a job, but as I'm reviewing translation stuff, I'm looking at it from a non-native reader. And even in Japanese, what little I know, I look at it in Japanese. I'm like, I understand what that means. I look at the direct English translation of that and I go, that doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> we need to make this make sense. Like, get the the point across rather than the actual meaning of the words, if that makes any sense. Because what's happening here was not that Shueisha said we are no longer going to supervise. They weren't suspending their supervision of the projects that Bondi was doing. Instead, they suspended all work entirely that was not being directly supervised by them. Like this, even trying to explain it doesn't make any sense. Ultimate meaning is kind of what I already said. Like Torishima came in, said, stop, start over. Like that's, that's kind of like what we're getting at. And to get that across in English was difficult. And what made it even more difficult was that it was baked into some of the slides as well. (laughs) Like, all right. So I can't just change it here. I got to change it in all of the graphics. This is the kind of thing that I, I think is really interesting um, from from my perspective, from the behind the scenes perspective, and I hope ends up being transparent. If you don't listen to this podcast, for example, like you just load up the page, it's like, oh, this is cool. This is a new translation. Let me go read it. I want you to be able to read it and understand what was being said in Japanese without having to listen to this conversation about us arguing over these what like four or five kanji. Yeah, I, I to be honest, that I think that was the page that I took the longest to translate just because i was trying really really hard to make it come across to be an actual translation yeah and to make it seem clear to the reader what it was talking about and i thought about making making it a little bit translating it a little bit more creatively but then i i i I was i kind of chickened out and i thought Maybe I don't want to get too far apart from what from what um, he's saying, especially since he's, he says it so often. Yeah, it, I mean, they put it up in big red letters on their slides. Like, Toroshima came in and said this to us. Like, yeah, yeah, it's tough. Uh, and I guess I would say that I, I typically don't get that involved in the editing of a translation, but I, I do sometimes for, you know, something comes up, something like that. Um, I just want to make sure that it makes sense to people who come in and read it, especially I feel like that was such a key part of it where Shueisha really came in and said, shut this shit down. What are you doing? Like, no, Uh, I I just thought that was so fascinating from a behind the scenes perspective. I mean, I, I think after the the discussion that we had, I I do believe it, that it became clearer Yeah. uh, just because maybe I couldn't really get to it just because I was a bit too close to it. So, uh, sure. Yeah. An external perspective was maybe needed, yeah. and I think it uh, it came out uh, really well. The rephrasing of the term, and it, I, yeah. After you talked to me, it was it really was necessary because since not only does it come up on the slide, they actually look at the title and they say, "Wow, now that sounds scary, doesn't it?" <laughs> right. So yeah, you needed to convey not only the meaning but also the impact. 
as you as you said before, you 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 were you were just saying, you know, could you just please skim this just to see if there's any interesting tidbits? Yeah. And at first I was like, yeah, I'm just going to put here some tidbits and stuff, and then it's like, oh, this paragraph sounds interesting. Okay, I will translate everything, and then next paragraph, ooh, also interesting. <laughs> and then I just I realized I had been translating like most of the things. So it's like, you know what? Fuck it, I will just translate the whole thing. Uh, Julian could probably tell that exact same story from a million different things. <laughs> I'm so appreciative of everything y'all do because it's not something I can do, and I don't think it's something I would be good at either. I think I would probably be stuck in my own head, and I would chicken out a million times more than <laughs> what you just described as well i would just run away from that kind of stuff um that's it's not my forte so i'm i'm always very impressed by folks who who can do that i fortunately uh, my translation style uh when i went to college mm -hmm. uh, my teachers and and especially my 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 classmates always encouraged me to be creative with the way you translate yeah. and also I did. I actually subtitled some series for just for just for myself because I liked seeing stuff with subtitles. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, whenever I asked, um, I was I was like super young. So whenever I I asked my mother, she always went and tried to get as creative and as natural as possible. So after my mother and all of my classmates uh, drilled that feeling into me, mm -hmm. I I right now I don't. Um, I'm not even able to translate something that sounds really stiff and unnatural um i want to throw julian under the bus a little bit because uh, the <laughs> thing that's live right now is actually something that you did a passover on julian um like i mentioned he had done this years ago the vast majority of it it's a column from the final daizenshu i call it daizenshu 10 so it was the 10th one but it's a supplemental volume uh tv animation part three which is also a misnomer because they cover the 10th anniversary movie and so much other <laughs> stuff in that daizenshu anyway it's called animations gleanings which is a strange title uh, there's just lots of cool tidbits and i always wanted to have it up and like I said, Julian did a good part of it, but I wanted all of the captions because I felt like those brought out some of the tidbits as well. And so you did a pass over this. What was it like going through someone else's work <laughs> for for that pass and then adding your own? So there's a couple things there. It's like learning the house translation style in some ways, but also knowing that Julian had done it years ago and there were some things that he would have done differently which you did change, such as it can't be helped <laughs> that, that we changed in there. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about that process. Uh, so basically, uh, it's kind of hard when you have to actually grab someone's translation, especially when that someone is Julian, because it's Julian. Yeah. Um, and then, so when I, I, I thought, like, I was reading it, and I thought, hmm, maybe I could I could uh, rephrase this. I mean, the, the, the contents were all fine. They were they were they were super fine, and it was clearly a, a first pass for him too. Like, yeah. th there's definitely things that even at that time, I feel like he probably would have rephrased, but just didn't get around to doing it. Exactly. I mean, uh, every time I, I try to review my own translations, I always change stuff. So yeah, it's it's basically the translator's curse. You will never be 100 satisfied. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and especially when it's when it's someone else, it's. Uh, since you have that external perspective that, uh, that I was mentioning before, it's a little bit easier to maybe be a little bit more detached from it mm -hmm. just because you weren't the one that did it before. Yeah. Even then, it's like it's still someone else's work. So I wanted to be to make very sure that uh, I was careful in the way I handled it. And whatever uh, I didn't need to change, I didn't. Even mm. if it would be a little bit closer to, to my own personal style, uh, I just like, you know, 
this is perfectly fine. It's a perfectly fine phrase. If I don't need to change it, that I won't. Yeah. Uh, and some just some things that seemed a little bit stiffer, uh, then I just mm-hmm. uh, reworded it a little bit and uh, just put it in another way. But uh, just before I, I asked you, I asked Julian's like, uh, you want me to just leave it as it is, or you want me to just make a pass on the whole thing? And you were like, "Yeah, sure. If you want to, if you want to re- change it up a little bit, you can go for it." And so I was like, "Okay, then." What'd you think of that column? I mean, it was it was um, I especially liked the um, the parts about the voices, yeah, uh, because they actually gathered together all of the the characters that one single voice actor did. And I know that um, Joji Anami did a lot of voices, and then um, they got to the part about Kenji Yutsumi, mm-hmm. and it only had, I don't remember who, uh, who it had, but I think it did have not as many characters as it could have, especially considering that we had the um, Dr. Slump crossover in Dragon Ball itself. Right, right, sure. So, it, so I was like, no, no. <laughs> then, I put, and then I put the translator's note, Kenji Yutsumi is also our very young Senbei Norimaki. I, I, th- I thought it was like super interesting, and I actually had no idea that it was also Hiromitsuru that voiced Baby Trunks. Well, that's what I wanted to bring up, is that's the kind of thing that's uncredited, and I think she may have mentioned that in like a landmark or forever interview or something like that, but those are the only sources for, oh, She's the one who played Baby Trunks. <laughs> That's so cool. And I thought it was like um, super interesting to figure out the relationship between the characters and their and uh, their voice actors, mm-hmm. and also the very final part where they talk about how they actually compose the cells, so they don't yes. they, they it's possible that they don't make it all just in one cell, so they just put different parts on top of each other together. So they even say specifically sometimes you might even get a bald Goku. It's, and I thought it was super funny. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I say, like, the the title of it's a little misleading because, yeah, it's about animation, but it's also about voices and, uh, like, even behind-the-scenes stories. This is where we get the tidbit that at some point in very early pre-production, obviously, it never went anywhere, but they considered having Bardock be an enemy for Goku to face. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> one little line and one column and one daisenshu. That's all we get about that. But that's the source for it. So I guess let's briefly talk about some other stuff you're doing for the site kind of like at large. Um, so some long form translations, those are coming. That's really awesome. Um, I initially wanted to bring you in for, like I said, just like little one sentences here, wiki stuff. And you just kind of ran with everything but um tell me about some little wiki things you've been doing because it's not even just translation stuff that you're doing on the wiki either you you have really adopted (laughs) our our work ethic and our dedication and it's it's really something man uh i mean since uh, my official role here is as wiki editor i thought you know what let me do something to actually earn that title and the only thing i could think of besides translating stuff that i could contribute was because I was um, I was about to read the super manga for the very first time, yeah. And I thought, you know what would be interesting? It's like having a list of all the um, the differences between the anime and the manga, just because that was would be the kind of thing that I would want to read. Yeah. So you know what? I want to do some actual wiki editing, so I will just do it myself. And then I found out that Teres already had written quite a lot of them, but <laughs> you know what? I will just do more, and. I just I every time I read um, a, a manga chapter, I just grabbed my my notes and I just wrote down the notes. And then the next day, whenever I had some time, I just uh, wrote them down and then put them on the week. Here's kind of the big question, and I wish I asked more of our folks this question uh, because I'm really curious. Why do you do it? 
Very nice question. Because this is, we're just fans. We just, this is just some series that we watched and we read and we liked. Uh, I, I feel like I need to reiterate fairly often for folks. Kanzenshu is not a job. Kanzenshu doesn't generate income. Kanzenshu does not run ads. The forum has some little ads that don't cover the cost of even keeping it online, but whatever. You know, it offsets a little bit for me. Um, Julian, Heath, myself, we do it because we feel like we like it's in our blood. <laughs> We've been doing it for so long. We we have to do this, and it it. It makes us happy to do it. Why do you do it? Well, uh, as I was telling you before, uh, there was a point in my fandom where my love for Dragon Ball kind of dwindled down a little bit. But every time I grabbed a manga to read it again, I just cannot read that manga and not feel the exact same excitement all over again. Dragon Ball is just this kind of series that even if I grow apart from it for some time, every time I come back, it's always there to welcome me with open arms. And it's just such... A wonderful tale of, of, of adventure and it, it's just packed full of emotion and camaraderie. And if, if you look, if you look closely, you can even learn some, some life lessons from it, maybe, even though Toriyama repeatedly says that he made it just for entertainment. Yeah, he's an idiot. He's wrong. Don't listen to him. <laughs> but I do really think that he sells himself short, not only in yeah. the script writing department, but also the drawing department. And it's, it's Dragon Ball as a manga is one of the very few manga that you can almost, you're not, not really even reading it at, at a point because it just flows so well. You feel like you're watching an anime that just happens not to have any voice. Yeah. But it's just absolutely amazing. And every time I come back to it, I just fall in love all over again. And then when I just found out uh, your website and all the things that you were doing, and it's like, oh my God, there's all of these things behind this show that I already liked. And there's also the great video games that Bandai does, like Budokai 1, which is, which uh, until Fighters and Kakarot was like my favorite <laughs> Dragon Ball game because it's just made with so much love and passion. It's, I can almost cry every time I reach the end of story mode and they play that beautiful, beautiful instrumental of Chala Hechala yep. as the credits roll. Mm -hmm. And there's just so many things that are wonderful about this franchise. And I just, I love it to death. I, I just cannot let go of it. Even if I tried, I couldn't let go of it. Even if I tried, and to see that the work you are doing is is just the fruit of so much passion, and that you're actually trying to get things right, to get things consistent, to actually know what the origins of things are, like all of the the character name puns and stuff like that. You you keep saying that you want to be the source for everything you don't want people to have to go to some other website to check some other thing no if you go to content you have everything and i was like damn that's the kind of perfectionism i can get behind <laughs> so. oh, perfectionism neurosis uh <laughs> egotism arrogance yes yeah, this is all true this is all accurate sure i have been called a little bit neurotic so it's, <laughs> it suits me just fine <laughs> You know, as long as we're aware of it and admit to it, I think it's healthy, right? I guess so. I'm. I mean, uh, I've, I, I've, I'm a massive persona, persona fan, and one thing that Four tells you too is that you will go stronger. You will become stronger if you just admit your own faults to yourself. So yeah, for sure. I guess we're all just like 
super strong now. Well, I think this was a, a lovely introduction to you, uh, to some of the stuff that you're doing with us, for us. Um, I, I love everything. And what's really fun about this conversation right now is that there have been many times where I've brought someone on and it's like, hey, I'm talking to you for the first time. I don't know what my camaraderie with you is going to be like. This will be an interesting podcast episode. Where I'm going with this is not only have you been working with us for months on this kind of crap, every Saturday night we play Mario Kart and you decided to join us from Portugal for not every week, but you're, you're there fairly often uh, to the point that we know you are the drunk samurai. So there's, <laughs> there's a, there's, there's a lot of good stuff going on. A lot of stories being told. Uh, so I, what I want to put out there is it's been so long actually, since we've done a podcast episode. Um, if you want extra podcast like material, um, come hang out with us Saturday nights and, um, yeah, we're playing Mario Kart, but we're mostly just bullshitting. And you know, sometimes we talk about podcasts or Dragon Ball stuff and website stuff, but, um, you know, m- most of the time we're, we're just having a good time. We're chatting. Uh, so you can, uh, you can follow us and hang out over there. Uh, that's on my personal Twitch and I don't know, I've, I've collected some Dragon Ball things from some of those sessions. I have yet to decide what I'm going to do. With that audio material, I think that's where I'm going to leave it. We've been chatting for a while. This is great. I, I love this. Zenpai, what else do you want to toss out there? First of all, that I'm sorry that I haven't been on Mario Kart for so long. I really <laughs> wanted to. <laughs> I really wanted to, to come back last Saturday, but then I had the, my cousin's graduation ceremony. So it's like, <laughs> eh, maybe it would be useful if I wasn't completely groggy with sleep. Yeah, so fun. sorry, guys. It has to be next time. <laughs> I know, Mary Mary wanted to talk to you about Persona. Yeah, um, I actually, just before I went to bed, I just I just thought, hmm, let me check their guy, uh, the, what they're doing on the on the stream. And then ex- exactly as I turned on the stream, I, I heard, oh, so where is Zenpai? Like, and you said, oh, he couldn't come today. I said, oh, I wanted to get his assessment. I wanted to, I wanted to get words. She wrapped up Royal, so she's uh, she's got words to have with you, I think. And yeah, I mean, um, as long as you keep giving me stuff to translate, I will keep on translating them. So I think that's where I'm going to leave it. Awesome, man. All right. Well, I'm going to leave it there, too. Uh, I haven't done a podcast in three, four months, so I don't remember how to do this. So it's going to take <laughs> me a little bit. I'm recording this real early in the week and hoping to get it out uh, next week. So give give myself plenty of time <laughs> to do this www.kanzenshuu.com. That is kanzenshu.com. At the time we're talking, I think the most recent thing on the homepage is still the animation gleanings translation. So you can check that out. Uh, we'll see if by the time this goes live, if I can get the uh, Torishima translation. Well, it's not just Torishima. It's like um, it's a translation of a panel from what was it like Unite Tokyo 2019. Um, <clears throat> turns out it's actually part two of a three-part series. Um, maybe we'll go back and do the others. She said one of the parts isn't actually that interesting. It's just kind of like a history of the games or something. I will check it out. I will check it out. enough. I, I, if I think there's something of value in there, I will just translate it either way. <laughs> I love everyone. Everyone's so good. All right. So that's the site. These are the folks. Uh, again, my name is Mike Vigito EX. Um, Follow us there. Uh, I'll link the Twitters, if you want to follow us there, uh, come watch Mario Kart Saturday nights for extra dumb content. 
Uh, and I'll leave it there. I, I do have more podcast episodes planned. This is uh, hopefully one of those, you know, semi-annual. Mike decides he wants to get back into the groove of podcasting and sees how long he can uh, schedule things out and, and get back into that groove. Um, but I, I mean, you can probably say from your totally unbiased perspective, just because there's no podcast going up doesn't mean that no one's doing anything. It's actually oh, yes. insane right now. Um, I need to say this, I, I think, a little more publicly and a little more prevalently, but um, Therese could stop working on things right now and she would have already contributed more to the Dragon Ball fan community than 99.9 repeating percent of other people. Definitely. I, I actually told, told her that myself. It's <laughs> wait till you folks see what we have in store for you. Um, I know we've been saying that for years, but again, we work on the uh, long term timeline. We don't work in inter- internet time. We work in real time uh, coming your way at some point. All right. I'm not going to belabor the, pa- the point anymore. I don't know how to end a podcast because it's been too <laughs> long. So thank you, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye. Senpai, we gotta get you a good race. Finally. <laughs> it's been awful today. It's, it's like, I don't know why, I always manage to start super well. It's like, yeah, this is the time. This is the time. It's like, one mistake. Nope. <laughs> yeah, one, one mistake early on especially will get you. I think it's a little more lenient later on. Yeah. I wish it was an option to do, like, six lap races. I think that would really change things a lot, too. Actually, yeah. Because you can change the, the amount of races you do, but not the amount of laps. Right. Mary just mixed Scotch and Bailey's, and I think we need to have words. It was <laughs> not a good idea. No. I, I thought it was like a mixing kind of... Anyway, no. It just was that, not good. <laughs> that sounds about as good as the time I mixed tequila and Diet Mountain Dew. Oh. oh. Ew. <laughs> Yeah. I literally just shivered. Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> I and it wasn't just regular Baileys, it was red velvet Baileys. It's a beautiful, beautiful pink color that I've just absolutely butchered. Never again. I think the only time I drank like super weird mixed stuff was also the only time I actually got super hammered in my entire life. What what did you mix? It's like, I didn't mix anything because I'm not really, I'm not really big on alcohol to be honest, but I was at a party with my friends and they kept mixing stuff for me with vodka. Mm. Uh, So I basically, uh, the cups were super small, so I just drank six of them. (laughs) By the time I realized that I went to the bathroom and I was like, Wait, was was the floor always this slanted? <laughs> and then and then the, my friends kept making fun of me the next day, but and then I told them, yeah, but I, at least I remember everything. And they said, 
Do you remember the time when you started talking to us in Japanese? And I was like, what? Nani? So yeah, basically they still make fun of me to this day as the samurai drunk. Nice. Excellent. Worst things you could be. Yeah, I guess so.